I'm Jerichelle, and you are listening to Girl Wonder Podcast, where we discuss, theorize, recap, deep dive, and just completely obsess over comics on Webtoon. Today on the podcast, we are talking all about Unholy Blood by Lena M. I cannot emphasize enough how thoroughly excited I am to talk about this comic on Webtoon with you guys, because I just want to say thank you to everybody who has recommended Unholy Blood. I know it was a lot of people, from my patrons to people on Instagram to people on Twitter. Like, thank you for sliding into my DMs and just reminding me to pick up this wonderful, wonderful comic because I am thoroughly obsessed. I called this podcast episode Seven Reasons Why Unholy Blood is Everything because I read it in like three days and then I made Josh read it. I made my husband Josh read it and he read it in like two days and it was so, so good. So the next time I talk about Unholy Blood on the podcast, we have to bring Josh on to like dissect the episodes. So what's interesting about this podcast episode is that it's going to be different. It's a breakdown. It's going to cover everything, but also just certain things. It's seven reasons why Unholy Blood is everything. So first of all, you're going to be hearing not just my voice, but the voices of my patrons. This time you're going to hear from Christine and Ocean. Thank you guys so much for sending in your voice messages and sharing how you feel about Unholy Blood. And Also, on Instagram, I posted an Insta story asking people to let me know what they want me to cover because Unholy Blood has 57 episodes right now that are out, and I wanted some guidance on what you guys want me to talk about when it comes to this wonderful comic. So quite a few of you reached out through Instagram, and you guys are really guiding this podcast episode. You asked some amazing questions, brought up some wonderful points and moments for me to touch on, and I narrowed them all down into categories, so that's why this is called Seven Reasons Why Unholy Blood is Everything. I hope that makes sense. So if you want to become a patron of the Girl Wonder podcast, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash girlwonder, and then you can choose which tier you'd like to be a part of. There's a couple of options. You can read the descriptions of them and see what perks you get with each tier, and I would just really appreciate the support. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. The podcast will always be free, but if you have the time, energy, effort, will, the willpower to become a patron, then you can do that. And the link is in the description box of this podcast episode. And before we start our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Columbus, Perth, Detroit, Victorville, Hawthorne, Brisbane, and Oak Ridge. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate you. All right, let's get started. Let's talk about Unholy Blood. one for why unholy blood is everything is Hyan. Yep, our main character, Hyan Park. Amira9130 commented on Instagram saying, why is Hyan literally the coolest female MC ever? (laughs) I agree. She's so freaking awesome. There are so many good qualities about Hyen, and at the same time, she's not perfect. She has her flaws, she has her doubts, she has her insecurities and her struggles. It makes her a really vulnerable and relatable MC. So in episode one, Hyen is introduced to us as our main character, of course, and we see that she really wants to have friends. She literally thinks to herself, I'm finally going to be able to make friends after a lifetime of being friendless. She said hi to everyone she knew on the college campus, like literally every person Hyen would wave to so that they called her Miss Popular. That was her nickname. And she just wanted to have friends. That's such a relatable thing. And the loneliness, it makes us love her, I think. And so another thing that's awesome is that she's so powerful. She fights for justice. She fights for the right reasons. Her strength is like unmatched and she's just super, super cool. Blaine D2 on Instagram 
said how her college friends don't hate her despite finding out she's a vampire. In parentheses, I love them so much. I love Hyan's college friends too. I love them a lot, and I didn't expect them to be as great as they turned out to be, if that makes sense. Like, I totally thought they were going to turn on her. So just to give some context, just in case you guys don't remember, in episode 43, there was a broadcast because one of those angels of death put out a broadcast with a fake Hyan. <laughs> like, she was copying Hyan's likeness, and she looked just like her. And she went on the news and in front of everybody was like, I'm Hyan Park. I'm a vampire, which is her biggest secret. And the first thing Hyan wanted to do after she recovered from the shock of that moment was to seek out her friends and to try and apologize. So her friends are Yusul and Minjay. And when she caught up to them, they were being questioned by journalists about Hyan. So she could hear exactly what they were saying. And the journalist was leading with their questions like, don't you feel betrayed? Did Hyan ever tell you she was a vampire? And they were like, of course we're scared of vampires. Of course we had no idea Hyan was one. And yes, we feel betrayed. And so me, myself, reading this episode, I was like, yep, see, here it goes. They're going to be so rude about Hyan because so many people hate vampires in this world. And for good reason. You know, they're kind of wreaking havoc and making it an unsafe place. Like you have a curfew. You cannot stay out at night because vampires are roaming the streets. So it's taken away from people's quality of life. And I understand why there's hatred towards vampires in this world. There are so many evil ones who are hurting innocent people all of the time and manipulating people just so they can be more powerful and keep their power for a long time. So I just expected her friends to not be loyal. They have, how would they know that Hyan isn't one of those vampires? How would they know that she's like a pure blood who is trying to put things right? You know, she's trying to like fix everything. So I assumed they were going to be awful. But after they said, of course, they're scared. They had no idea and they felt betrayed. Her friend says, how could she keep something that important from her friends? That's the betrayal. Not that she was a vampire, but that she kept the secret, carried that burden by herself. What a sweet moment. And they were sad that she suffered in silence by herself. Like that was their concern. Those are some golden friends. I hope we see more of them. I hope they come up in the series more and not <laughs> watch me like be careful what you wish for because I could see them showing up but being in danger because one of the angels of death are going to like harm them to get to high end. But I would like to see more of them. They're really great. I definitely love them too. Cass Contreras asked me to bring up the moment in episode 43 where Hyan's self-acceptance to accept her true self and her glow up happens. <laughs> so yeah, staying in the same episode, the truth came out and Hyan was extremely worried for her siblings and friends. And she imagines Father Michael, who, you know, has passed away. We we're going to have to talk about him and that how that moment affected me. <laughs> but she imagines Father Michael, who... He's like, how come you're not letting go of your desire to look human? You are still refusing to step out of that comfort zone you've created for yourself. You need to let it all go if you want to reach your full potential. What wise words. It was just exactly what Haya needed to process because the truth came out. Someone took over what you looked like <laughs> and told the whole world that you're a vampire that you're not human, that you're not like the rest of them. It's out. So why is she still not letting go of the desire to be human, to look human, right? The one thing she's wanted in her life to pass is human. And so he says, you need to let it all go to reach your full potential. And we cut to Unte, who's all worried about Hyan in such a cute moment where, you know, he saw how freaked out she was about the broadcast. And now he's like, I don't, I hope I'm helpful to her. I feel like I'm not helpful, but I want to be of help to Hyan. And then he and his sister see Hyan on the motorcycle, her white hair flowing, looking totally badass. And it's just a screenshot worthy panel, <laughs> to be honest. Like that is a great panel of Hyan, kind of like letting go of that desire to look human, letting her hair flow, just not hiding behind anything anymore because literally the thing that Unte's sister was doing right before was like trying to find some wigs for Hyan so she can continue to pretend, but no more, you know, 
She is here. She's on a motorcycle. She's ready to go. I swear that screenshot is somebody's wallpaper somewhere. It is a glow up indeed, and I loved it. Okay, moving on to reason number two. That is the character Unte. He is a reason. <laughs> he is a reason why Unholy Blood is everything. We can't not mention him. We can't not give him his own section. <laughs> so I asked my patrons, what are some of your favorite moments in Unholy Blood? And here's what Christine had to say. And my favorite moments are from episode 17 when Unte was doing his going through his morning routine where he takes a hot shower, listens to music, drinks some tea, and Hyan is just witness to it. And she's like, no, I wasn't watching you being weird. I thought that was hilarious. I love that moment. And I also love in episode 21 where we see Ante's pajama pants and he breaks the fourth wall saying like, oh, I didn't think these pants would be in frame. I a sucker for fourth wall breaks. So that was one of my favorite moments too. Those are some really good moments. I love that Christine's favorite moments in all of Unholy Blood <laughs> involve Unte being so silly and so cute. <laughs> so yeah, I want to discuss those moments in detail. So in episode 17, that is the episode when I realized that Unte has abs on abs on abs on abs <laughs> because he wakes up in the morning and he's not wearing a shirt, right? And we all knew he was like built <laughs> and stacked and muscular in a way that is not realistic in life, right? But it's good for this comic. <laughs> and so that is when I was like, this is not a six pack. This is like a 13, 14, 15 pack. It is too many packs to count. <laughs> And he's going about his morning routine, which is rise with the morning sun, a hot shower to start the day, listening to music and reading the paper, a nice cold swig of refreshing barley tea. And just keep in mind, I had no idea that he was a vampire at this point. Literally no idea. I've seen him drink his tea. I didn't realize vampires could drink like all sorts of beverages and be okay. And it's just like he was so cute and cutesy in his morning routine that all the vampires we'd seen other than Hyan up until this point were like really, really intense and pretty evil for the most part. So it was refreshing to see him go through his morning routine and hilarious when Hyan was in there in his house and he forgot that he let her stay and he screamed and like covered himself. <laughs> and it was just so funny because she was like, yeah, I didn't see you being weird. Lovely moment. And then in episode 21... Unte is in the office with Hyan and he is breaking down like some very serious information about the six angels of death and where they might be and all the data that has been compiled up until now. And that's a great moment for some humor, which we do get because it zooms out and we see like his whole body in the panel and Hyan's like, why are you dressed like that though? And Unte says, I didn't think my pants would be in the frame. And Hyan's like, what frame? And Unte's like, Never mind. I blame the author. <laughs> LOL, you guys. I laughed so hard. It was so funny. I think I screenshotted this and put it on Insta Story while I was reading Unholy Blood. So funny. So great. It's little moments like that. And other moments, too, where the author will have a really huge speech bubble. Do you know what I'm talking about? It would be like a really long speech bubble. And at the bottom, it's, it says, I don't think anyone's still reading this, though, <laughs> or something like that. Those things are great. And I always do read it because <laughs> I want to like enjoy every single aspect of this comic, especially because there is such great attention to detail. So Art Pop Gallery on Instagram reached out and said, Unte willing to turn into what he hates, a vampire, to save his sister. Yes, we have to talk about this moment. What incredible backstory for Unte. So in episode 35, we get the continuation of Unte's past, how his parents turned into vampires, right? And he followed them and they met their leader and now he's been badly injured and he's just pleading with his mom and dad saying the only thing that got me through the hard times was the thought that we'd all be reunited as a family someday what a powerful heartbreaking want for this character you know 
A reason why we care about Unte must be because his desire to be reunited with his family is so strong. And even though his sister hated him for a hot minute there, he still cared about her, still sent her money, still took care of her. I love this man. <laughs> I love him for high end so much. I can't help it. And so while he's doing that with his parents, he's begging them. He's just begging them to be there for him and his sister. And he says, but look at what you've done to yourselves. And his parents are like, I'm sorry, but we can't survive without blood. And they basically just like ditch him, right? Or they try to. And then it doesn't work out. They're murdered in front of him, which must be hella traumatizing for Unte to have endured. He was having a really traumatizing night already. But to see his parents also killed... But maybe in a way they were already dead to him. The fact that he can beg for them to be for, there for him and his sister. And then they say like, no, no, we're just going to get blood <laughs> and just peace out like that. They were already gone. He had already lost his parents the moments they became mixed blood vampires. And while he's laying there in the pool of his parents' blood, really, he has a flashback where he remembers his sister back when they were younger and how the auntie that was taking care of them like hurt her badly, like beat her up. And his sister said, as long as we have a roof over our heads, I can take a little beating. And then she cried herself to sleep that night, which is devastating. Ah, oh, it just makes me feel so badly for her, for Unte, and the situation that their parents left them in. Like they got abandoned. I mean, it's just rough. So even though Unte was bleeding out, and couldn't move a single muscle in his body, he decided to drink his parents' blood because he cannot die here. If he dies here, his sister's going to die too. And he needs to be there for her. Even if she lives by some miracle, makes it out of this situation alive, she will have no one. The parents are dead. He can't die too. So he does drink the blood. He chooses life, which I thought was a really powerful choice. And it was also really impressive that he completed his transformation almost instantly. And usually it takes like a month, right? It takes a month to complete the transformation. But he was so driven and had such a strong purpose that he was able to do it like pretty much instantly and fight and win and protect his sister. So yeah, that was an incredible moment. I have so many questions about his character, and I'm going to bring them up on this podcast, but a question that I want to answer is from Deeksha2717 on Instagram, who said, what do you predict will happen soon to Captain Unte? Hmm, that's a good question. There's a lot that could happen. You know, I think he is might not be able to stay a captain for much longer. Like, his secret might come out. We saw Hyan's secret come out that people know High End Park is a vampire. Everyone knows. So what about Captain Unte? Maybe the department will find out that he's a vampire too, and then he'll have to deal with those repercussions. Now that we've talked about High End and Unte separately, we really need to talk about them together. I'm talking about the ship that I'm over here building with a hammer and some nails. <laughs> I'll be right back after this short musical interlude where we are talking about reason number three. I'll be right back. Instagram, Cass Cooley said, Unte and Hyan's relationship. Meg X Young said, Strawberry Boy and Hyan. <laughs> I definitely need to call him Strawberry Boy from now on. <laughs> Ocean, one of my patrons who you'll hear on the podcast, said, Let's talk about the chemistry between Unte and Hyan. So here it is. Reason number three, the chemistry. We've already talked about some of the details in episode 43, but we need to talk about one detail in particular, and that is the hug in that episode. So the broadcast went up. High in Park is a vampire. She's so scared. She hears everyone's reactions. People are shocked. People are enraged. People hate her, right? 
and she's shaking. She's literally trembling and she doesn't know where to go, where to run. But Unte is there <laughs> and he grabs her into this wonderful hug that I quickly screenshotted. <laughs> also posted on Instagram with a gif of a ship sailing because that was amazing. What a wonderful hug. This is one of the best hugs I have ever seen. <laughs> in my life. I just fangirled so hard when I saw it. I love their relationship. This has been my ship from like episode 10 or so. I'm sure people started building it sooner, like in episode four, but I've been feeling it since episode 10. And now in episode 43, I see them hugging and he's there for her. It's more than just a hug. This is like comfort. He's comforting her and helping her through one of the toughest moments of her life right now. One of my patrons, Christine, left a voice message talking about high-end's chemistry with Unte. Here is Christine. Any moment between Hyen and Unte, I absolutely love. I ship them so hard. And especially when Unte's like questioning his feelings for Hyen and questioning their relationship. And no, they're just friends. They're just coworkers. They they're just working towards the same goal. Like, come on, you know you have feelings for her. I mean she's gorgeous. How can you not? They're both gorgeous. They are two of the most beautiful people slash vampires I have ever seen. <laughs> just like top notch beauty right there. Um, similar to what Christine was saying about the like not knowing if they're into each other thing, Nainer Benainer commented on Instagram and said, anytime her and pretty boy flirt and then go, nah, they're not into me like that. <laughs> Love those moments. That makes the ship so great. So one of my favorite times when that happens is actually in episode 50. That is when Johan was talking to Haiyan when she suddenly collapsed and Unte was looking for where she was. It was nighttime. He's like, where is Haiyan? I don't know where she is. And he sees Johan carrying her. Do you remember this moment? And he's running with Haiyan in his arms and Unte's thoughts. Can I read them to you? It's like a monologue of his thoughts. So great. I'm just going to read them out loud. Unte thinks to himself, What? Why is that guy carrying Hyan in his arms? What happened? Damn it, I shouldn't have left her alone. Wait, think about it. It's not like Hyan and I are in a relationship or anything. We're still not that close. So if I go up to him and threaten him, then that might drive us apart. No, what are you saying? She's lying there passed out in some stranger's arms. You can't just sit back and do nothing. Who knows what could have happened? What do I do? <laughs> well, we're just part of the same team with the same goals. We're nothing more than that. Yeah, let's just give it up. That man was spiraling. We've got our captain here spiraling. Like he's cool when it comes to fighting an angel of death. He's chill about it, <laughs> but when it comes to seeing Hyen in another guy's arms, he was like going through all sorts of internal panic, just freaking out. And I love to see it. <laughs> we love to see it. And there was so much tension between Johan and Unte. And keep in mind, when I read this for the first time, I had no clue. Y'all, I had no clue as to who Johan was going to end up being, but in this moment, I was like, wait a minute, does Hyen have two options here? Because when she woke up, those guys were all in each other's faces, just like having a face off because they both liked Hyen. At least that's how it felt. That's how the scene read. And so something I would really like to see happen is a fight between Johan and Unte. I feel like that's got to happen at some point. Did you see their foreheads almost pressed up together like they were so angry with each other, but also not? <laughs> Johan was sweating and feeling like, why are you threatening me? <laughs> and Unte just didn't trust him. He has really good instincts or he has some insider information. At this point, I do trust that this captain cares for Hyan very genuinely, but I don't know if we know everything about him. I really don't. I just... I think there's stuff that he knows that is still a secret to us as the audience and might be something that could cause a rift between him and Hyen in the future, even though we already had that moment happen. I mean, who could forget? Episode 31. That was when Hyen realized for the first time 
that he was a vampire. Unte has secrets. He has secrets. He's good at hiding things. So she figured it out. She was very clever at doing that. And I loved it. I love that it happened in episode 31 and not in like episode 100 or something. It was a good piece of information. It came out at the exact right time. The pacing in this comic is awesome. And so in that moment, in episode 31, he's like, I'll tell you everything you want to know if you beat me in a fight. And so they start fighting, and Hyan thinks to herself, he's no ordinary vampire. What does that mean? He's a mixed blood, right? He's still, he's a human who got vampire blood. He drank his parents' blood, but he's not ordinary. And something that stands out about him is that he's not as like violent and as aggressive as the other mixed bloods have seemed to be so far. But in that fight, the way he was fighting made her think that. So that's something to come back to. Let me know if you guys have any theories about him when it comes to not being an ordinary vampire. But the best part of this scene, and maybe one of the best parts in the comic in general, is when the restaurant owner or maybe an employee of the place, she comes in and she sees the two of them in the midst of their fight, tugging at each other's shirts, all intertwined. Loved it so much. That almost beats the hug moment for me where they hugged in episode 43, but I think that hug is still my favorite physical contact between them, but that's like my second favorite because <laughs> it was so passionate. It was great. And one other moment I want to mention that speaks to the chemistry between Haiyan and Unte is in episode 57, which is the most recent episode as of me recording this podcast right now. And so in episode 57, Hyan has woken up. She's remembered everything from her past. It's a lot. She looks up at the blue sky and then like starts crying and feeling so sad. She's feeling like survivor's guilt. Her parents were murdered, but she made it. She's alive and she's like the only one left. She feels like the only one of her whole kind left and it just sucks. And she doesn't tell Unte everything because she doesn't want to burden him. But then the sweetest moment happens. She starts to walk away and he catches her as she slips, which is just like, whoo, love that panel. <laughs> Anytime they touch, I love it. But that's really great. And then he says to her, you look like you're carrying a heavy burden. You should share some of the burden with me. It might not look like it, but I'm good at carrying heavy things. Sir, it really looks like it, though. It looks like you could pick up anything. <laughs> You could pick up like a four-wheeler. You could pick up anything. You could pick up my whole house. That's how you look, but it's okay. It was just such a sweet moment. It's like a swoon-worthy moment, and I know Hyan felt it because she says, you're a good person, and then he's like, what would you say? And she just completely backtracks and says nonsense. Then she's like, oh, look, it's a frog. It's got really broad shoulders. Wait, frogs don't have shoulders. <laughs> Why did that remind me of Poppy and Tora for a quick second? Because she was just saying all sorts of things because she was nervous. <laughs> and then he called her out on it and it was just so sweet. That's one of my favorite moments between them that speaks to their chemistry and how great they are together. And I love that she thinks that he's a good person. One thing that I'm nervous about that I'm not sure I need to be nervous about is that in the past... Hyun was also like, but Johan's a good person. Like in their past that we will talk about in detail. That's something she thought. So I'm like, hmm, is she a good judge of character though? <laughs> or do people just disappoint her? I don't know. But I still worry that there's more to be revealed about Unte. And I have to wonder if you who have read this webtoon are thinking the same thing. You can reach out and let me know. Like, if you 100% trust him, let me know. If you feel like he might still have some secrets and might be a little suspicious as to why he was looking for a pure-blood vampire in the first place when he hunted high and down, basically, let me know. So we had three people on Instagram reach out with the same kind of question. So the story tinker, who you may know as Mindy, who has her own podcast about comics on Webtoon, wrote in and said... Do you think Hyan will let Unte drink her blood so he doesn't die in a few months? And then Art Pop Gallery asked the same thing. And Mari, one of my patrons, wrote in and said, I wonder how the detective will be able to prolong his lifespan. 
Y'all, that is something that is making me so nervous. I'm scared for him. So as much as I can be suspicious about Unte, I still think he is good. I do. And he's so good to the point that he self-sacrifices, like he's willing to put his life on the line. And I'm just worried that he's not going to mention to Hyun that he doesn't have much time left. Doesn't he have like six months left? He definitely has less than a year. And so I'm just concerned <laughs> and worried that he's going to run out of time and she's she would be crying over that. That would be such a loss for her. But yeah, I do think that Hyun will let him drink her blood. But that's going to be a complicated decision to make. We saw what it was like when her parents let people drink their blood. That didn't work out for them. So maybe she'll have some hesitation about it. But it's been set up that a pure blood's blood <laughs> will give a vampire of mixed blood a lot longer lifespan. She knows it. He knows it. I wonder if that's why he was looking for a pure blood. But I, that sounds like selfish. Like he's the type of person that isn't looking for a way to live longer unless it's to be there for his sister. Then it's not selfish. It could go many different ways, but I do think that Hyan will give him some of his her blood. It's just going to be a little bit of like a, a triggering moment for her because that has not gone well for her family in the past. Okay, reason number four is the twists and turns. I mean, especially the reveal of our antagonist, our villain, our number one big boss at the top. <laughs> The reveal of God. But before I get into that twist, the first twist happened for me in the first episode, and that is that she's a vampire. Now, I read the prologue. I read episode zero, but my dumb butt did not recognize that the white-haired vampire fighting woman in the prologue was Hyan until it was revealed at the end of episode one. So we met Hyan in episode one. She's got her brown hair and she's, you know, defending people and trying to make friends in school. And then you get to the very end of the episode where she encounters a vampire and I was worried for her, but she was really worried for the vampire because she's like, I will kill you. I am so much stronger than you. I was a vampire from birth. That was a twist for me, y'all. I was like, okay. That's where we're going. <laughs> this comic, honestly, gives me trust issues. I will never trust a nice person in this comic again. And I say that knowing that I'm going to get tricked again because I will trust somebody. But there are so many nice people that I trusted who like stabbed me in the back for trusting them. They're like, how dare you trust me? I'm going to get you. <laughs> That's what they were like to me as the reader. <laughs> because remember Heian? Unte's sister, her boyfriend, I trusted that man. He was not nice. <laughs> he was evil. And then the corrupt people slash vampire in the police department trusted him. And finally, Johan. Freaking Johan. I trusted that man. <laughs> he turns out to be the worst villain of them all. I trusted him so much. I felt like a fool when it was revealed. I felt like Hyan. My heart was about to burst just like hers. That's how it felt. Deeksha2717 said, what did you think about Johan being God? Was it shocking? Yes, I was shocked. My patrons, however, kind of weren't, but kind of were. So let me play a voice message from Christine, and then you'll be hearing from Ocean in a little bit. I was shocked of course but i wasn't 100 percent shocked because when johan was always a little sus and when we got reintroduced to him when hi and, and him meet up again he was always a little sus so when he was revealed that he was god i was shocked obviously but more than anything i felt betrayed and angry like why they were childhood friends and just now he has this vendetta against her and is trying to like take over the world like why more than anything i feel betrayed betrayed for Hyan and betrayed as a reader like why <laughs> i felt betrayed too i feel you christine that was rough that just it hurt my feelings <laughs> Got me going on Instagram, posting a picture of Rihanna looking sad, saying, I won't trust anybody ever again. It got me on a deep level. That was a huge twist, but of course I loved it. It made the story even better. 
but man, did that one hurt. And this leads me right into reason number five, which is amazing villains. It's not just Johan who stands out. A lot of those angels of death were so interesting with all the different powers that they have. It was really, really cool. So Coral, like the reef, commented on Instagram and said, are the abilities of the angels of death their own or because they drank pure blood, her parents? So I'm thinking based on everything we've learned so far up until episode 57, that the angels of death, they were created by Johan. Johan drank her parents' blood and everything that mixed blood vampires have, anything that humans have that they gained once they became a vampire come from the pure blood. So yes, I do think the abilities of the angels of death are all things that Hyen is capable of doing on her own because she's the originator. Like she is the blueprint for all of this. It's her blood and her parents' bloodline that is able to have these powers of hypnosis, powers of copying, powers of doing stuff. Like Hyen surprised us and she's able to do those things because where did they think they got it from? But I do think that it's interesting how the angels of death are able to manifest it differently. They don't all have the same power. One guy was really good at hypnosis. One woman was really good at like copying people in terms of like transforming into what they look like. So I'm thinking that yes, those abilities come from the pure blood. Webtoon Hooked asked me to talk about the part where it showed that Johan had like two different colored eyes. So that moment comes in episode 56. It's in the flashback that describes what happened to Hyun's parents. So Johan killed Hyun's father. And because he ate his heart, I assume, he ripped out his heart for sure, and then he consumed it. When it was time for Hyun's mother to confront him and fight him, she saw him standing there, and his hair was white now, and his eyes were different colors because one was like his normal eye color and the other is like the color that Hyun's eyes are, you know? It's like the pure blood vampire stuff. So he ate a full heart and I think that gave him such an increase of power, though he was already strong to begin with, but we'll talk about it. We'll go really into it. We'll really break down the recent stuff that we learned. But yeah, I think it was the different colored eyes because Johan consumed Hyun's dad's heart. Yvette Re asked on Instagram how much truth there was in what Johan told Hyen in episode 52 before he died. Yeah, this is what makes us mad with Johan. This is what makes us feel betrayed because he said a lot of heartfelt things to her and he kept trying to save her. He like helped her when something was going to fall on her. He carried her after she collapsed. Was it all an act? It's such a good question. And I am not sure. Like he said, don't fight God. I don't want you to fight God. Please don't do it. And he wants to be there for her. And he feels like guilt and all sorts of things. But does he? Or is it part of the act? to get her heart to mature, whatever that means, so that he can consume it and be all powerful. What is Johan really at when he's being sweet to her? Is it just so that he can betray her and get the benefits of that? He said that her heart was like an ingredient that needed to be cooked to perfection. I think it's that, but it's also true. He was a sweet boy. So my, my answer to the question is, I think it's both. I think Johan really meant it. He doesn't want her to fight God because he doesn't want to fight her. At the same time, he has a hunger for power that's insatiable. And so he does want to fight her and he wants to eat that heart and be the most powerful pureblood ever. Unless there are other purebloods out there. I mean, Hyen's parents had to have parents, right? And aren't they immortal? Hmm. Yvette Ri also asked, did Johan really build an army of vampires just to track and eat Hyun's heart? Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. I don't think he had any other reason. He did such a brutal thing to turn all these people and basically have like a crime syndicate of vampires. Like that, that was not a good thing that he did. And I think he is after power and he's after Hyun's heart for sure. Rain Books 8000 asked, how is Johan still alive? <laughs> I mean, the answer to that question, I think, is that 
he was on the brink of death, and then Hyan's dad gave him some blood at Hyan's request. The parents didn't want to do it. They wanted to just let him die and let him go out painlessly if they could. But Hyan was like, you have all this power, share it. And since then, Johan is going to continue to live for a long time, especially because he became a mixed blood and then he ate two pure blood vampires' hearts. So his lifespan could be longer than an average human's at this point. We don't know. After this short musical interlude, we are talking about a moment that made me get really teary and then cry, which doesn't happen to me often when reading comics on Webtoon. And reason number seven, we will get to it right after this break. was a moment that really made me cry and I think that's when I got hooked on unholy blood because if you get an emotional reaction out of me if you're making me laugh a lot if you're making me cry if you're making me furious I'm thinking remarried empress if you're making me see red <laughs> then I'm just absolutely hooked you know I just read these so that I can feel something and episode 11 it made me feel something for sure so reason number six is father Michael's death it got me, you guys. It really did. Seeing this character that we had just met die trying to protect his family got me. And to see how it affected Hyan and in a flashback, how she cried about getting into university. There is something about people getting into college that just makes me cry. Almost doesn't even matter the context, but whenever it's on a TV show, like the show Friday Night Lights, there's a character named Tyra who's trying so hard to get into college. And when she finally gets the envelope, I'm a mess. I'm just sobbing. And whenever I see those videos on Twitter or YouTube, when people find out that they got into college and their family cheers for them, or even when they pass the bar and are going to become a lawyer now, I am crying. I am bawling my eyes out. So just seeing high end cry about getting into university and showing Father Michael that, you guys, I was done. I was so done. They got me. I asked my patrons how they felt about Father Michael's death, and here is Ocean, who talks about Father Michael and Johan. My reaction to Father Michael dying was, oh my god, no. I kind of had a suspicion that he might be God, but... I guess we all found out that it was Johan. I was not expecting that at all. Just ultimate betrayal. I'm so surprised. I can't even believe it. I like how Ocean thought that Father Michael might be God or suspected it. I thought that too for a second, but only, it's not my own idea. I only saw it in the top comments. And I try not to read like too many of the comments on this one because I know people have read it in different versions and they're way further along in the story than I am. So I'm really careful about it because I don't want to be spoiled. But one of the top comments was like, what if Father Michael is God? And I was like, oh my gosh, what is, what if he is? <laughs> well, he's not. He really isn't. And that Johan reveal, yeah, betrayal is the word. I agree with that. Here is Christine's reaction to Father Michael's death. So I've read enough manga, I've watched enough K-dramas, enough anime to see this trope coming. But did it still hurt? Yeah. Would I, was I still crying my eyes out? Absolutely. I felt so bad for Hyan and her younger siblings to lose their parental figure, their kind of like guiding light in this world and it sucks it sucks for high end but i think it in a way it made her her morale and her motivation stronger it definitely did it's like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger that might be high end's motto in life because a lot of her parental figures have been killed now but she's getting stronger and stronger right it's just sad it makes me sad thinking about it. I wanted to see more of him, but I'm glad that some people on Instagram, through my Insta story, they asked some questions and brought up some points about Father Michael that I can share on the podcast. Coral Like the Reef wanted me to mention Father Michael's letters. Art Pop Gallery wanted to know, are we going to see more flashbacks of Father Michael and did he know Hyan's history? 
So let's go back into unholy blood history a little bit. Let's go back to episode seven. This is when Father Michael warned Hyen that the mixed blood vampires are all after her because they need a pure blood to lengthen their lifespan. And she's like, how do you know all of this? And Father Michael says, there's no need for you to know that, which I was like, oop, that's suspicious. What does that mean? And she looked at his desk, which is a ton of vampire research. So that was the first thing that stood out to me. Then in episode eight, after an encounter with an angel of death, Father Michael was like, oh, they must have known where she lives for a while now. But the reason they haven't attacked so far is because they've been waiting until her heart matures. That was in episode eight. All the stuff that Johan is doing now in like episode 57 and like manipulating her heart and trying to get it to be whatever it is to mature, however it's going to mature so he can consume it. Father Michael was worried about in episode eight. So that really does beg the question, how much of Hyen's history does he know? Well, when we get his backstory, we know that he went to war overseas. That's why his body is covered in scars. He had a friend there who was a little boy who he used to have letters with. And that boy like depended on him and liked him. And it was a good spot of brightness during that wartime until the little boy was killed. And then he was like, I don't smile anymore after that right? And so he became a priest. And it was during that time when vampires first came into public knowledge. And, you know, all the nightmarish stuff happened to Hyen's parents. And he found Hyen just laying there covered in blood that wasn't hers, the night of like the Bonsong Market stuff. And he was reminded of that little boy and he kind of took her in. And that's how he became her father, Michael, basically. So Father Michael's letters, it's interesting because there's two sets. There's one with the little boy from the war, and he ripped those up when he came back. And Hyen is the one who taped them back together, and then he read them. And I thought that was beautiful. And then with her, she was like, he never replied to any of my letters, but he did love her. You know, that's the thing she realized when he passed is that no matter how gruff he's been, he did it to protect her. Look at all those books and that research and all the stuff he did into vampires. He like got all sorts of privileged information. He asked people for information like how to kill them, all sorts of stuff because he cared about Hyen and he wanted to protect her. So I love Father Michael. <laughs> I wish he was still around. And are we going to see more flashbacks of him? I hope so. I mean, it was interesting to see Hyen think about him in episode 43 and that be the start of her glow up where she's like, I don't need to pretend to be human anymore. It's okay. She heard Father Michael like in her head and I thought that was nice. So I would take more of that too. I would enjoy it. All right, everyone. We finally made it to reason number seven, which is the backstories. The backstories are so amazing particularly Johan slash Hyen slash her parents' backstory. What happened? The question we were all wondering is, what happened 10 years ago to make vampires appear in this world? Well, now we kind of know. Lulu1v wrote in on Instagram and said, the backstory with Johan, two crying face emojis, it broke my heart, wasn't expecting this at all. Art Pop Gallery wanted me to mention Hyen and her parents' bond, and Cell P said Johan's side of the story. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it in detail. Let's discuss it, break it down. The pivotal backstory that kind of launched the plot that we're following now. So one thing I really enjoyed in the backstory section was the fact that her parents were very much in love with each other. Didn't you guys love their personalities? I loved her mom. I loved her father. Her father was so great. And he was a bit of a snack. He was wonderful. <laughs> he was great. He was the whole meal. He wasn't just a snack. I love Hyan's dad. I was so sad when he passed away. So I love that the parents were connected and they were good parents to her and they were so loving, but she still wanted more. She was so lonely and you can't blame her for it. She's a child who had no friends. And we saw how that affected her even when she got to college, how she said hello to everyone. Her character is just so well written. I really enjoy tracking her story and how she behaves with people. So they all had a restaurant, even though they couldn't eat food, which I thought was pretty admirable and interesting. And Johan... Young Johan worked several part-time jobs day and night. 
even though he was just a kid. He had a hard life. Like he studied hard. He wanted to become a human rights lawyer. You guys, that makes you feel something, doesn't it? Like Johan wanted to be a human rights lawyer and now he's out here just turning humans into vampires willy-nilly, ruining their lives, ruining their families' lives, murdering a bunch of people probably, and trying to eat Hyan, his childhood friend's heart. That is where he is now. But he was going to do human rights. He was going to advocate for people's rights. And now he just kills people. How far he has come. How far he has fallen. Oh, Johan, this story is rough. But basically, he was being bullied by some kids at school. Hyan was like, we have all this power. We should do something with it. So she beats up those bullies. And then she shows him her form with her fingernails all sharp, with her fangs out, with her hair white and he is terrified and he's just like please don't kill me and he sees her as a monster and that was a pretty big hiccup in their friendship and so Johan has a terrible stepfather who's like in a gang and is terrorizing the whole community at this market and Hyan's parents finally showed their power you know to stop him and then they're like, now we have to leave because they were very protective of being pureblood vampires. They didn't show it to people. They didn't change a lot of people, right? They just wanted to live their lives in peace. So they're like, okay, we've kind of exposed ourselves for being super strong. It's time for us to peace out, to go. And Hyen, the poor little thing, wanted to say goodbye to her only friend, Johan. And when she went to go see him, he was on the brink of death, I assume, because of his stepfather. Like his stepfather tried to kill him. It could have been the kids from school, but I doubt it. They could do that much damage. He was really abused in the scene. And he was just, it was just so sad. It was sad because this is a Johan who hasn't done anything bad yet. So I felt bad for him. And Hyan just begged her parents at this point, like, please save the life of my only friend. And they were like, I suppose it would be nice for Hyan to have an older brother it's interesting that they thought of him that way. So in a way, that could be Johan's role in the story. Like the brother Hyen wish she always had, the friend she wish she always had instead of any kind of love interest. But Unte was <laughs> very jealous. So it made my brain go there. But her parents did not go there. They, were, they weren't like, Hyen will have someone to marry when she, she grows up. They're like, no, this will be her brother. So they turn Johan. And at first I was like, maybe he's the first mixed blood vampire who was human at first, but became a vampire. Maybe he's the first one of his kind. But then later on, Hyan's dad is like, we've tried changing people and it never works out. But with Johan, we thought it would. So he's probably not the first of his kind, but he's probably the one that's done the most damage. So for a hot second, they're like a happy family, the four of them. They're super happy. They're making plans to leave, to go to the mountains, to start fresh. Johan cries because he's so happy. It's nice to be with like a functional, kind, warm and loving family. And there is even a sweet moment between Hyan and Johan where they reconcile over that time where she beat up his bullies for him. And he like makes a face mark in the tree. You guys, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so sweet. And I knew my heart was going to break. Because the night before they were going to leave, they told Johan, it's interesting because Hyan's mom said, take care of anything you need to take care of before we go. And I guess he took that as a sign to go murder some of his classmates in middle school because that's what he did. He murdered them. I assume those were the bullies that were bothering him before about his backpack. So something about mixed bloods is that they are unstable and they just turn into completely different people. And Hyan's dad had hoped that Johan would be different, but clearly he's not. Trinidad Marmalejos wrote in on Insta Story and said, The fact that ambition is what gives the villain his strength, and so much so that he beat the main character's dad. That is a curious thing to me as well. Because Johan is so strong, Hyan's dad thinks to himself, the amount of power a mixed-blood vampire gains when they first transform is linked to their level of ambition. What kind of ambition did this kid have that he gained this much power? That's what I want to know. I mean, what, what happened there? I thought his ambition was to be a lawyer, 
but he maybe had a secret ambition that no one knew about. See, we're getting this from Hyun's perspective a lot. We need to see Johan's perspective of what went down and like the truth. Not a lie that he's telling Hyun so that her heart will mature. I want the truth, like straight up facts. I know it's going to be rough because his stepfather was awful and his mom was being abused as well, but we didn't really see his home life and we don't know what his ambition is for. I guess he felt so powerless in his life that all this time he wanted power and that's why he's this strong, but we need to see it. One of these days, I think we're going to get it. So Johan somehow, some way, did hypnosis on Hyun's dad. And this is before he ate his heart. So just that little bit of blood that he got to turn into a vampire, he suddenly was able and capable to do hypnosis. And then the next thing you know it, Hyun's dad is dead. And it was so sad. And then he killed Hyun's mom after she took Hyun's memories and told her to run. So we saw in a blurry moment, Johan is shirtless now. And he reaches for Hyun like he's going to kill her and take her heart too. But then he hesitates and leaves. Why? Why do we think that is? I mean, that's the question with Johan, isn't it? How much of him is real? How much of him is that good person and that nice guy? Because is he fighting within himself or has the evil won out? We don't know. So it either could be that he was like, I'm going to wait for her heart to mature so I can eat it later when she's an adult. Or it's like, I don't want to hurt my friend, or it's both. I'm starting to lean towards both because that's the more complicated answer. Sometimes things aren't black and white. This is a shade of gray. Johan could truly care about Hyun. I can't help but think he must. They were childhood friends. They went through so much together. He must care deep, 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 deep down, right? Or is he just cold-hearted? What do you guys think? Just to wrap everything up, CC Danielle Illustrations asked, what are your favorite parts and why? So my favorite parts of this entire comic are the world building, all the interesting different things that felt fresh, like I had never seen them before in a vampire story, like the crown of thorns that Hyen used to wear on her head. I thought that was so interesting. Like that's what calms her down so that she can go back to looking human again. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. I liked the sirens blaring for the vampire curfew, all the different powers that the angels of death had. And of course, my favorite, favorite thing, the beautiful artwork. It's just to die for. It's lovely. And so I guess I'm left with a few questions. Like what is going on with Hyun's heart? What is it supposed to do? <laughs> when her mom was dying, her heart looked like it was like glowing and then it like exploded or something like that. It looked like that. <laughs> Maybe I'm totally off, but that's what it looks like. Like her heart was primed for Johan to eat it because the dad just died and she saw her husband die. So we'll just have to see, but something's going on with Hyun's heart. She's not feeling great these days. And then in episode 57, we learn the name of our purple haired angel of death, Vale which is a cool name. I saw a lot of people simping for him in the comment section. <laughs> they were like, not me simping for a bad guy. <laughs> He's interesting though. So is he someone we can trust? Because he said, I came to pledge my allegiance to the real pure blood. I don't know. This could be a test. This could be something else to prime her heart for Johan to eat it. I really don't know. But it also could be real because we've seen an angel of death kind of stop attacking Hyun and not carry out her full orders. So maybe this is another situation like that. I don't know. I'm nervous, though. But as you can tell, I have thoroughly enjoyed every episode of Unholy Blood. We have quite a few more angels of death for Unte and Hyun to fight and come up against. And I just can't wait to see it. And I'm really looking forward to Johan's version of what happened back then, because we're missing something. That ambition question is going to linger in my mind for a long time. But thank you again for listening to this podcast. Let's wrap this thing up.
Each week, I like to share a webtoon recommendation from one of our podcast listeners, and this week's recommendation comes from Anin Halucci on Instagram, who said, So hey, just wanted to recommend this Canvas webtoon called Reunion. Please check it out. I think you're going to love it. And sorry, because I imagine lots of people recommend webtoons to you, but this one is really promising. Thank you so much for this recommendation. Y'all know I love to subscribe to the webtoons that you recommend so that I don't forget to check it out and I'm subscribing to Reunion by Stefati. And here is the summary for Reunion on Canvas. After moving away for a decade, Rhea returns to the city and embarks on her quest for self-discovery. Upon her return, she bumps into a familiar face, one she didn't think she would ever see again. Feelings rekindle and secrets begin to unfold, putting her most cherished relationship to the test. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of reunions in Reunion. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this webtoon. Thank you so much for this recommendation. And if you have a webtoon that you'd like to share with me, reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or send an email to girlwondersquad at gmail.com and let me know which webtoon you're recommending and why. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to the incredible making agent on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Fatima. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded weekly. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again soon. Bye.